With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to episode 15 of the Rex Chapman Show with my homeboy, super sexy, super awesome, super cool Josh Hopkins. How are you, Josh? Hi, Rex. What's up, buddy? Oh, I'm hanging in there. How about you? Episode 15 already. Unbelievable. That's a, that's the uh, Eddie Davender. That's Ed Davender. It? That's yeah. the Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Vince Carter. Way to go. You should go. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Vince Sanity. Way to get that apple in there, too. Nice bite Thank of you. apple. Right. Hey, you know what they say. An apple at the beginning of a pod. Makes everyone be like, what's up, Todd? Hey, that's what they say. And they've got my, I t- and then I call my friend Todd and tell everybody, tell me everybody said, what's up? <laughs> oh, um, my goodness. Uh, you know who we have on today, uh, and then we're going to talk some NBA stuff. But do you know how, who we have on today? Well, the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA. Possibly. Stephen. Kerr. Kerr. Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry. No, we have Steve Kerr on awesome. Can't wait. Fantastic. By percentage points, he's the best shooter in the history of the league. Now he'll probably tell you he's not, but by percentage. He was better than he was better than Stephen. Come on. Well, yeah, if he played in this this era, he'd be way better than Stephen. Yeah, he would. We all yeah, know. he would have revolutionized, revolutionized the game. Yeah, yeah. He yep. was definitely a better player than Stephen Curry. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, uh, more championships. Dude has eight, uh, my guy. Eight titles. That's that's true. That's uh, quite a bit. Uh, that's not done. Uh, uh, what a lot, lot happening in the NBA. How about them Suns? Phoenix Suns, baby. And Jamie told us a little while ago, I think that's the key to getting to the Western Conference Finals. You come on this show, right? It's, uh, it seems obvious. We said to James, hey, man, do you, got, do you have the guys to do this, win a title this year? And he said, yes. But just mm-hmm. look at this as stacking games. Well, they've stacked eight games. They're closest to the finish line right now. That's right. Still in the second round. I uh, mean, awesome. I mean, your, your Brooklyn pick, which still is fine, but they are hurting. They've got a lot of men down. Man, that game yesterday kind of kind of pissed me off. I felt like Giannis didn't have to come in there like that. Giannis is not a dirty guy. Um, but Kyrie was shooting a jump shot in the paint, and he kind of slid in there under him. Um, now Kyrie's out for, you know, who knows? That looks like a bad ankle sprain. Also, oh, it, it also looks like Kyrie doesn't play in tape, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the um, the secret of being a great uh, layup maker because yeah. he might and, be the best ever. And then controversy: Joker gets tossed, gets tossed yeah. from uh, you know game four of the Sun series. They were going to get beat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you got to be pretty egregious for the MVP to get to get back in the day. Yeah. That wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been tossed, but the way right. they officiate the game now, he had to be tossed. Wind yeah. up 
contact, follow through. And he he was just frustrated, man. Can you imagine? Sure. Let's be honest. When Jamal Murray went out, that Denver team changed because now you can go under pick, pick and rolls. You don't have to go over. Everything changes with Jamal out. Uh, It was just kind of bad luck. And they ran into a hot, hot, hot uh, Suns team. Yeah, right. and really, frankly, Denver did a great job once they lost Jamal, just keeping oh. it as, as much together with a, a vital cog like that. They did they did really well without him towards the end of the season. So they had a great year considering. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we should get into Steve Kerr. I, I want to I wanna say one thing. Uh, in 1987, 88, Kentucky Wildcats, our Kentucky Wildcats were really good. We had a really good team and we were in the top five all year long. Arizona was in the top five all year long. And for a big chunk of the season, we were both one and two. Now we had a good squad myself and Ed Davender, Winston Bennett, uh, Cedric Jenkins, Eric Manuel, uh, Richard Madison. We, we were loaded. We had a, had a squad. Um, Arizona, however, they they had a squad also. And I just want to read you the names. Neither of us won it. They got beat. We got beat going to the sweet uh, Elite Eight by Villanova upset. And then they got beat to go to the Final Four by Oklahoma. But I want to read to you the team that they had on that. They had Steve Kerr, of course, John Elliott. Boom. Tom Tolbert, who was drafted with me by the Hornets. He was a second rounder. He played for six or seven years, bounced around Mm -hmm. the league. Anthony Cook, high-flying, shot-blocking Anthony Cook, played in the league for years. Uh, Judd Bushler, terrific player, got rings with with the Bulls, played, had a 10-year career. And a guy that you might not hear much about by the name of Ken Lofton. Ken Lofton, uh, Ken Lofton, yeah. Kenny Lofton ended up being, I think he played 16 years in the major leagues. He's like 15th all time stolen bases. Uh, they had Ken Lofton as their point guard. Yeah, uh, not, they had some athletes there. Kenny Lofton yet, but uh, yeah, they had a squad, man. Uh, but man, I'm, I'm excited to talk to Steve. What a fascinating guy. Just, Seriously. Uh, just a, a smart dude. He's one of those guys that we talk about makes us feel bad about ourselves once uh, that seems to happen that seems to be the theme can we rebrand this show as uh rex chapman show that makes you feel like dog shit <laughs> yeah. <laughs> feel good makes you feel like dog shit yeah yeah i don't know if that's good branding but Maybe. yeah let's get to it man i can't i can't wait let's he's so fascinating how are you steve i'm good how you doing rex Good. I, I was just looking at your name. Have you ever thought about going by Stefan? Yeah, you know what? Not until <laughs> you know about ten years ago or so, uh, <laughs> when it became a little more popular. <laughs> but yeah, I do have the I do have the uh, the pH uh, like yep. like like Steph, and uh, yep. you know I'm I'm lacking the Y at the end of my name. Um, <laughs> other other than that, we are exactly the same. <laughs> Oh man, uh, it's so good to to talk to you. I don't get to do, we don't get to do it enough. Uh, you got to be so proud of what that team went through this year, because um, quite frankly, at the beginning of the year, you guys were not very good. You know, yeah. playing a lot of young players, and as the season wore on, you got better and better and better. And just miss 
uh, had to be had to be kind of some satisfaction there, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, obviously, you know, tough to lose the two play-in games, but um, you know, all in all, <clears throat> a, a fantastic final twenty games or so. I think we went fifteen and five. You know, at the end of the regular season, uh, best net rating in the league during those twenty games, and that's a pretty good you know, pretty good sample size. I mean, that's more than a quarter of, of the season this year. And, and uh, more than anything, you know, proud of the, the group's development. And then on an individual level, you know, Steph had an incredible season. Draymond, uh, you know, back in the, in the defensive player of the year uh, debate and, you know, first team all defense. And, and then seeing our young guys grow, uh, you know, Jordan Poole and Juan Toscano-Anderson, um, Wiseman, while he was playing, was was you know coming along. Yep. So we're kind of we're in an interesting spot organizationally, where we're you know kind of walking this line, um, trying to develop and trying to still be relevant at the same time. And it's uh, I thought we accomplished that you know by the end of the year, and it sets us up well for next season. Josh, what do you got, buddy? You, you jump in there. <clears throat> well, you, uh, we had Steph on here a few weeks ago. And uh, I'd like to know, you just said he had an incredible year. Do you think this was in a way his most impressive year? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's always hard to say that when you just think back to all of the incredible seasons he's had, you know, and, and a couple of MVPs and three championships. And um, so it seems like every year Steph is amazing. But I, I think what stood out about this year was, um, you know, the response to missing last season, you know, which was so disappointing for him. And then, you know, playing with a brand new group of teammates and, and not having as much veteran support as he used to have, you know, with our, with our championship teams. And so he had to do a lot more. So in that regard, um, I, I would say, yeah, his, his most impressive season, but with Steph, they're all impressive. Yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> are. They are. That being said, also, it's like, here you are the, the NBA's all-time leader in percentage of three-pointers, 45.2 or four or some, something unbelievable. I don't, Josh, I don't, I don't keep track of that stuff. <laughs> uh, Leave that to me. 40, 45.31. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and one year, though, didn't you shoot like, what, 50 – four percent from the field or I think you probably don't know but if you had to guess I uh, 52 you know I might know I might have <laughs> might have had a 51 or 52 um I I, I want to say though how how like it's, I think uh, Raymond Ritter our, our PR director who's who's the man and he loves kind of um putting me in my place uh, frequently <laughs> he came up to me last year and he goes you know you made um 700 and something three-pointers in your career. I said, yeah. He goes, you know, Steph has made more than that in the last two seasons. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it is such a different game. It's so different. Um, you know, and, and when, Rex, when you and I really first started playing, you know, early 90s, um, you know, when the, whatever it was, sorry, that's Lulu in the back. All good. We like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a tradition here, actually. You know, yeah. like if, you took, if you took five three, if a player took five threes in a game, that was nuts. Like nobody could believe it. 
And now you got guys taking five threes in a quarter and, and nobody blinks. So totally different game. Um, what amazes me about Steph and Clay is the degree of difficulty combined with the sheer volume of shots they, they took or they take um, compared to, you know, me standing there wide open two or three shots a game, you know, my whole career. It's a, it's a, it's an entirely different um, exercise what they're, what they're doing. Yeah, but that being said, I know you're you're super humble guy. And I knew, you, look, you were a winner everywhere you were. Arizona, you went to the Final Four. You've won eight championships, uh, three with the Bulls playing, two with the Spurs, four in a row, one of only a few people to ever do that. Uh, you won uh, the FIBA championship, the last, last um all college players yeah. to do it. You've won at every level and everything you've done. That, that's not by accident. You know, you have an incredible athletic ability. We always think of running and jumping and, and, uh, and, and you are, you couldn't have been in the league if you didn't have incredible, you know, side to side, all that combined, but we always devalue hand eye. And you have obviously one of the greatest athletes ever hand eye wise. When did you learn that? Like, when were you like, I always beat my friends at ping pong. Like, when were you like, this is, there's something different. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that was, um, that was innate. The hand eye was innate. What, what I had to do was, you know, once I got to high school, college, <clears throat> everything was a grind uphill in terms of speed and quickness. And, and that's where all the training comes into play, you know, where you're year after year, just building your foundation of, of conditioning and, and side to side lateral speed uh, just to be able to survive on the floor, you know, and, and, and that's really what it, for a lot of guys, it's what the league is about. You know, you get, if you're, if you're lucky enough to have, um, you know, one skill that's elite, for me, it was shooting. Maybe for another guy's rebounding or you know being a great one-on-one defender. But if you if you have one of those elite skills, you can make it. And then it's you got to work your ass off every day to make yourself serviceable in the other areas, and then you can survive. But to be perfectly honest, Josh, I, I watch these games now, and the game is so. I'm glad I played you know 20 years ago, 25 years ago, because. The game is so exposing now for because of the spacing and the one on, on an island. Yeah, everybody's on an island. And, and like, you know, if, if there is a if there is a weak spot, you know, that guy's especially in the playoffs, they're bringing that guy up into the pick and roll. Yeah. And so I, I picture myself trying to guard James Harden or, you know, Donovan Mitchell in a high screen these days. I'm like, I would have had no chance. Um, <laughs> Back then, it was it was actually in a weird way it was easier because you could hold and grab. Easier. It was hold and grab, and everybody was posting up. So the space you didn't get exposed so much on the on the perimeter. Now it's the opposite. The whole floor is spread, and I mean, guys are uh, the skill level is amazing. Uh, yeah, but I, do I, you remember specifically a time when you were young? Like I, I wanted darts again. Hey, I beat all my friends at bowling. Do you remember <laughs> thinking I just something's different about me, even as a as a kid? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I played every sport growing up, and um, so I I probably realized when I was you know eight or nine years old that 
like, hey, I'm striking everybody out. Like, this is really fun. You know? <laughs> like, I can throw the ball harder than these other guys. And, and I can shoot better. I mean, it, there's, there's definitely that. But, um, you know, it was, uh, it, it was also a different time where – and I don't know how you were, Rex, but I played everything. Yeah, um, same. Yeah. Whatever season it was. Yeah, yeah. Which I think um, is, was actually – beneficiary for I agree a lot of players you know you see different angles you, you learn a different sport you use different muscles you use your brain differently mm -hmm. you play for different coaches I think a lot of that is is actually uh, missing these days now that players are so specialized if you want to get an advantage over the sports books during the NBA and NHL playoffs how about an inside edge this MLB season then download BetQL the only app you'll need to make smart bets their best bets algorithm scans over 350,000 bets per year to give you a best bet recommendation for every game across all major sports and gives you the reasoning behind why you should place the bet. BetQL also has tons of other tools like sharp data so you can see who the pros are backing and line movement so you can jump on betting opportunities in real time. Plus, you can save all your picks in one place to track your success and winning streaks, as well as view your rank on their leaderboards. Head to the App Store or Google Play Store now to download BetQL. You can also head to try.betql.co backslash Rex. Enter the discount code Rex at payment checkout for 25% off of their subscription offerings. Don't miss out on the chance to beat the book this summer you know I, i'm glad you brought up you know you you might get three shots you might get four shots and that always in a game <clears throat> that always blew my mind because you'd make you know two or three of them and i i wasn't wired that way i couldn't shoot that well and i want to go back when i i first knew about you probably about the same time you knew about me, I was in Kyle. I came in and I think I was a couple years behind you yeah. guys mm -hmm. and Kentucky and Arizona were kind of on a collision course. Our last year mm -hmm. of college, you know, traded being number one and two all year long mm -hmm. or up, up around the top. Um, but I remember the first time I really laid eyes on you was in Colorado Springs. Yeah. We were trying out for one of the USA teams and I just remember going in there and seeing uh, you were, somebody was, you know, working you out. You were getting up a bunch of shots and you never missed, you never missed. And I thought, Oh my God, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to become a better shooter. And I just couldn't believe the consistency. It was the same shot every time. And at, at the time I was having trouble kind of dialing down how high I jump, I would jump different right. heights and I was, wildly inconsistent but um right around that time you had a real uh uh tough tough thing happen in your life with your father and could you briefly just go through that and because I've always wondered I don't think I knew this at the time it wasn't until later and I'm mm -hmm. just wondering how you ever how you how you got through that period. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I will, uh, I'll talk about that. I, but before I do, I want to tell you that when, when I saw you in Colorado Springs, I mean, and I believe that was, um, 
86 in the, for, yeah. the, for the World Games. Um, I, I had an advantage. Lute Olson was the head coach, and he was my, <laughs> my coach in college. And, and, uh, and our, one of the assistant coaches was our assistant. And, um, and I talked to him one day in Colorado Springs. He said, who's, uh, you know, who, who impresses you out here? And I said, you see Rex Chapman doing shooting drills? Do you see how high he gets on that shot? And, and it's funny you say, like, you had to control, you know, your, your elevation and, right. and you had to sort of gauge it, right? Like you'd, you had to, and, and I'm sure that, you know, it took thousands of reps and you, you eventually got it. But I was mesmerized watching just your, uh, how athletic your shot was, you know, and, and just how fluid it was. You were doing this drill where you're doing, you know, baseline to baseline, guy hits you on that side, you shoot it, comes up back that side, you're jumping this high off the ground. <laughs> And it was, it was, no, it was mesmerizing. And, and you were, you were so fluid and athletic and it was obvious you were going to be an NBA player. And I just remember wow. thinking, man, I wish, uh, but that's funny. We, that's kind of when we actually noticed each other. In the, yeah. In, uh, in yeah. It, re it really is. And, and I just, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems so long ago, I had better luck, especially early in my career, playing against the more athletic guys. Mm -hmm. When I played against yourself and Jeff Hornacek and, yeah. you know, uh, Chris Mullen and guy, it gave me the most problems, you know, I'm because these guys are running and jumping. And if guy go guys not normally doing a ball fake, I can right. go ahead and jump with them. Right. But, you know, it, anyway, well, uh, anyway no, I, it's ahead. funny. I, 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 um, I think there's something to that, you know, players who can't jump very high have to develop really good instincts and, and footwork and, and ball fakes players who don't shoot that well, almost automatically become great cutters, you know, because yeah. if yeah. you can't shoot and people aren't going to guard you, you got to learn how to cut. And, and so it, it is kind of fun. That's one of the things I love about coaching is, is you get to see certain players, they do something well, but then they have to figure out how to, survive with their weaknesses and, you know, and, and everybody has to go about it differently based on their, uh, you know, their, their own skills. Uh, you asked me about, um, you know, what happened with, with my dad. So people who, who don't know the story, my dad was the pre president of the American university in Beirut. Um, and he, he was killed in, in a terrorist attack, 1984. Um, so it was my freshman year at Arizona and um, this was kind of uh, the beginning of, uh, you know, terrorism against Americans in the Middle East, kind of the late 70s, you know, the Iranian hostage situation at the embassy, um, right in that era, kind of late 70s, early 80s, that was the beginning of uh, what eventually led to 9-11. And so my dad was, uh, was a victim, uh, uh, you know, and, and just you know, awful, obviously, for um, my family and me and devastating. And, um, and, you know, how do you, how do you get through something like that? Um, you just do, you know, and you, you have to rely on the people who you're close with. And the people that I was close with were my family, obviously, and then the guys on the team at Arizona. And, um, and so I just leaned into the basketball part because it was the best two hours of my day where I could yeah. just eliminate all those uh, nightmarish thoughts and, and feel free and happy. And then, you know, practice would end and I'd go back to my dorm room and, 
you know, think about it some more. And so it, it was, uh, it was a tough time, but I was really lucky to, to have my family and my, and my team. I think, um, you know, most people may, many won't know, you know, about that, about your father and many that hear this, most people I think will, but I think just your, just to go back a little bit, just your unique perspective, because you're fascinating, fascinating upbringing. You were born in Beirut, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Primarily raised there, uh, but primarily until you were in high school or part of high school? No, actually, actually, um, most of my childhood was in Los Angeles. So my, my dad was teaching at the American University when I was born. So my older two siblings were born there. Um, he met my mom there. My, it's a long family history. I know your grandparents spent most of their yeah, life so there, my correct? My grandparents settled there. They were um, relief workers in World War I and the wow. Armenian uh, Holocaust. Um, you know, a million Amazing. Armenians were, were killed um, in World War One by by the Turks and um, and my grandparents who were like 20, 20 years old at the time. I mean, imagine they they went to Turkey and started an orphanage with a relief organization. Ran an orphanage, and when the war was over, they they decided to to stay in Beirut because it was such a, an amazing place. To this day, I get members of the Armenian community. Um, thanking me like just randomly we'll be at a game in Detroit or something and you know, I'll be walking out to the game I'll see an Armenian flag and somebody waving and and you know this happens two or three times a season you know where somebody just comes up and says I want to say thank you for your grandparents you know if it weren't for them you know I wouldn't even be alive they saved you know my grandparents it's it's just heart-wrenching and beautiful all at, all at once and and uh, so yeah, I mean, we have this long family history there, and my my dad was raised there, um, and um, but he took a job at UCLA when I was when I was like two years old, and uh, so I grew up uh, mostly in Los Angeles. But my dad would take sabbaticals uh, every few years, and so we went to the Middle East. We went uh, lived in Cairo, Egypt, for about three years when I was in junior high and high school. Uh, wow. Spent a, uh, some time in France and Tunisia and. I was, you know, I was at the time I maybe maybe didn't appreciate it as much, yeah. but now I look back on it and it's like that's the greatest education that I ever received, you know, was was living in all these places. When did you realize that your life was unique, different, different than, than all uh, your friends in Los Angeles? Yeah, I guess when I was leaving for Cairo the first time, it was 1976. I was uh you know, 10, 11 years old um, and uh, sixth grade. And I'm, I'm leaving for the year and all my friends are like, you're going where? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And, and, um, and then, you know, I went to an American school over there, but had just, you know, an, an incredible experience that exposed me to the world. And, and um, went to school with kids from all over the world who, whose parents were working in, in, in Cairo in some field or another, maybe it was the oil industry, maybe it was uh, government, you know, uh, embassy workers, um, people like my dad who were educators. Um, and uh, it was just, uh, just an amazing experience and something that I didn't realize till later just how 
deeply it impacted me in terms of my view of the world and my compassion for people and my awareness of how how much struggle there is out there for people and how fortunate that, that uh, we are here in America. Steve, uh, why, why University of Arizona? Um, where else did you think about going? And what's it like? Because before you guys were there, I never, Arizona basketball on national level really wasn't a thing. And what's it like to have started that whole thing? You and Sean Elliott and those guys, yeah. uh, all, all your Judd and all those guys from from that era. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's but why a, Arizona? Why U of A? Well, it was there. There were uh, there were only two choices. Um, <laughs> people weren't beating down my door in, in high school. Um, actually, I got a, I've got a great story. Gonzaga was recruiting me, and uh, John Stockton was a senior there. And oh, uh, I took a visit and uh, the coaches said, uh, Hey, you know, bring your shoes. You know, maybe you can shoot around and stuff. I didn't know it was basically a tryout, you know, right. uh, they were trying to gauge whether I was good enough. And so I, I get up there and the guys are playing pickup ball. And say, hey, you want to join the pickup? Game? Yes. And John, John Stockton's guarding me. And literally oh, you know, I get the ball, check up first play. I try to throw it to the wing. He steals it. He steals the pass and goes and lays it in like, I was like, oh, my God. So he wipes the floor with me for the next hour. The coach pulls me into his office and says, um, Steve, you know, we, we really like you, but we're not going to offer you the scholarship. <laughs> so unfair, though, because at the time, you know, he wasn't John they Stockton. They had no idea. Yeah, you know? They, they didn't know he was going to be one of the all The greatest great point guard ever. Right. right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I finished my senior year, and I didn't have any offers. And then I played in a summer league in, in L.A., uh, and played played well, and I had I got two offers during the summer. One was from Arizona, and one from Cal State Fullerton, which uh, right down the road from where I lived. And it, yeah. you know, I knew I wanted a you know more traditional college experience. And Arizona was in the Pac-10, and Lute you know Lute was a dynamic coach. It was his first year; he had just come from Iowa. Um, my mom fell in love with him. You know, she's like, "You got to go play for that guy." Um, and, and you're right. The program was, um, was a mess and Lute came in and just built this, um, incredible program. And we made the NSA tournament my sophomore year. And that started a string of 25 straight tournament appearances. So I took, wow. took Lute one year. Uh, the team was four and 24 the, the year before Lute, Lute got there and he came in and just built it from the ground up. I know you know this. Um, well, maybe you don't, but Josh, I think you do as well. I was going to go to Louisville and uh, Joe B. Hall resigned Yeah, going, going into my senior year. And um, Cliff Hagan, the athletic director at Kentucky, called me and said, he caught me at home and he's from my home, was from my hometown as well, and said, Rex, listen, Joe B's going to resign in about 10 minutes and we're going to hire either Lou Dolson or Eddie Sutton. And I just want to know if you'll come for a visit. And I wanted to tell him no, because I'd already told Denny Crum that I was going to go to Louisville right. and I didn't have the courage. And I said, okay. And so now I'm committed to going on a visit to Kentucky, but I loved loot. He had, mm. that was the deal. And then I think, Lute turned it down. He, the they brought second. him in, right? The last second, yep. 
Yeah. This was after my sophomore year. We had just gotten home from the NCAA tournament. We lost Alabama in the first round. We get home. He was a hot sudden, commodity. He was a right? hot commodity. Yeah. And uh, it was all over the news. Lute Olson may leave. And we were all panicked. You know, we, we were, it's like we were just getting started. And right. um, I think it was really close. And I think ultimately he, he, he had his whole family in Tucson. They were pretty comfortable. And he just decided not to do it. Plus, he knew he had built it. He had the ducks on the pond already. He knew he had a squad. <laughs> he did. Right. And he had, he had Sean Elliott coming in. Sean yeah, that's was, right. You know, the, the McDonald's All-American from Tucson. Um, and uh, we had established that we were, you know, a solid team. But Sean coming Sean in. Sean was really good. Yeah, he, he was, was really time. good. And he was, he was, you know, college player of the year, uh, his senior year. Sean and I were the last two, we were the last two cuts on the, for the Olympics in 88. He, we, yeah. he, both of I, both of us had been hurt for much of the, of the mm -hmm. tryouts and man, that was painful. But I just remember Sean was, he was so bouncy and, and yeah. such a nice yeah. guy, such a nice yeah. person. Yeah. yeah. Incredible culture builder. You know, um, when you're, you know, the drill, when your best player is, that unselfish and modest and yet you know confident at the same time and a great player just sets a tone and um sean was he was amazing and uh yeah so we you know he we went to the final four in 88 um and then then i left uh, that was my senior year and then the next year sean was uh, college player of the year they were number one i think all year and uh, got mm -hmm. upset by UNLV in the Sweet 16, I think. Uh, but there was a, you know, that was kind of the heyday. That began the heyday where Lute started. Now he's really started getting recruits, guys like Dana, Damon Stoudemire and Gilbert Arenas and, you know, Richard Jefferson and, uh, you know, all these yeah. McDonald's All-Americans. And uh, he had an incredible run. You, mm. you played for such good coaches. Um, Phil, and then you go, you're with Phil Jackson, who's terrific. And you kind of, you kind of solidified your career there, right? Because yeah. before you got to Chicago, you'd been in Cleveland, where I'm sure they were trying to play you as a point guard, right? And then. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of a combo. combo. Yeah, yeah, right. And then, but then you play for Phil and you guys have such a, a terrific run. But then you go and play with a whole different crew and Greg Popovich. And I don't, I, I don't, I never played for pop, um, but I couldn't revere him more yeah. as a coach, as a guy, uh, what I do know of him. What was that like? And, and, and uh, along those same lines, talking about Sean Elliott, when your best player is mm -hmm. so humble, what was it like playing with Tim Duncan? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Timmy was, uh, Sorry about the dog. Your dog loves Tim Duncan. <laughs> Barking her <laughs> approval. <laughs> um, yeah, Timmy Timmy reminded me so much of Steph Curry. Um, you know, they, they're not, not the same person. You know, Steph is a um, little more outgoing. Tim's more private. But both hilarious senses of humor, um, incredible humility, genuine humility, and then incredible arrogance on the floor. Like I'm the best player out here and what a powerful combination that is. And, you know, Tim would, would just dominate games and, you know, he'd come into the locker room and if we lost, he'd be like, you know, 
It's my, my, that's on me guys. That's my fault. And it, he meant it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at the box score. It's like, Jim, you had 38 and 21. Okay. <laughs> Definitely was not your fault, <laughs> but he, but it was genuine. It wasn't like this false humility it was real. And um, he was so empowering to everybody else. He took more joy in, in other players' success than his own. And, uh, you know, so to, to, to play with him and to just be part of what Pop was building um, and to feel that culture, um, even, even though I didn't have a great run there as a player, you know, I played there four seasons and didn't have nearly as much success as I had in Chicago, it was um, one of the most important um, periods of my life because it really shaped how I viewed uh, team building and culture building and you know, how to communicate with each other. And, and having just been through five years with Phil of a very similar experience, only doing it in an entirely different way than Pop did, um, I just had this amazing kind of nine-year apprenticeship um, to, if I wanted to go into coaching, like, here you go. And by the way, Lenny Wilkins was before that in Cleveland, another hall of famer. Yeah. And so I, I just had this stretch where I, I played for the best coaches on earth and, um, just incredibly fortunate to do so. We well, said that, um, you know, those are two hall of famers, Steph and Tim, and you said they're very similar and they thought they were the baddest on the court, which is yeah. how was Michael different? Than, than those, how was he not as similar? Because we know he thought he was the baddest on the court. Yeah. But what, what, yeah. Was, what was different? Well, he wasn't humble. <laughs> 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 but but in, a, in a good way. In a good know? way, like, yeah. Like, yeah. In a good way. Like he was, Michael just dominated um, games spiritually, emotionally. You remember it, Rex. Like, oh, yeah. You walk out there on the floor and you look down because I was an opponent, you know, many years, you know, playing against Michael. You walked onto the floor back then and you looked down and you saw him and you're kind of like, yeah, I don't think we're going to beat this guy. <laughs> he, just, he, he, he held sway over the entire league. Um, everybody just was afraid of him. Um, and so it was a different form of leadership. And you guys, I'm sure, you know, you probably watched The Last Dance and players talked about how hard he was on us in practice. That was the truth. He drove us hard. So, you know, Timmy doesn't do that, you know, and Steph doesn't do that. That's the way Michael did it. But it's a perfect example of there's no like one way of doing things, you know, and, and Michael, Michael was hard on everybody and he drove everybody and he wouldn't settle for anything less than extreme effort and practice every day. So he just raised the bar every single day. And he was, just incredible to play with, but, you know, just totally different person. The thing about Michael that was so, I, I felt, you know, you obviously had to be, you had to play your hardest all the time against him. What I realized uh, at watching him play against other people in the league and, and against myself, there were times that, and you remember Steve, what it was like when you, in high school, um, you, you would play and you were just so much better than the other team. Mike and the players on the other team, Michael did that to us at times in the NBA. Like yeah, he was, yeah. when he got that engaged, he could just, his hands were so big. He was playing a different game. You know, mm -hmm. he was so long, so strong. And then his mm -hmm. elevation, his elevation and obviously the, 
the want inside to just kill you. He was a different, but I can only imagine he was different. I can only imagine what it must've been like a teammate playing and practicing against that every day. Yeah. Yeah. Just the competitiveness um, in every drill. And back then you remember we, we practiced harder than they do now than we do now. Um, And it's, you know, it was different. And, and I think it's actually smarter now the way we go about our business because you, you really need to keep guys prepared for, for games. And I, there's a reason that LeBron has played 19 years or whatever. Right. And back then, you know, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, they played, I don't know, 12, 13. So we're much better these days at preserving our players. Yeah. But um, back then we had scrimmages pretty often and, he wanted to dominate every scrimmage. I mean, the trash talking in scrimmages was just relentless. And uh, part of it was he just liked to express his dominance. And part of it was he was testing you every single day. Um, but the games were, were like that too. I mean, I, I, and you could just feel it. Um, you could just feel his, his presence, his dominance. And other teams were just kind of a little afraid. Switch, uh, switch. Go, go ahead, Josh. Uh, well, I was just going to say we had Steph on here and I was saying how, you know, in my lifetime, the evolution of the game and the best player always was like some different form of just freak athlete from, you know, uh, Wilt. And then, then uh, you know, when the game changed to Bird and Magic, who were just big guys that could do everything. And then, you know, obviously to Michael and then, uh, you know, Shaq, LeBron, it was these unbelievable. And then Steph comes and the, and the tree grows a new limb towards unbelievable skill. Not that there wasn't unbelievable skill all the time, but now mm-hmm. the league has changed so much and he helped revolutionize it. Where do you Hang think, on where do you, okay. Hang on. I know you guys can hear this. I got a lawnmower going in my lawn. Can, can you guys hear this in the background? It's, it's not, not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> Weed okay, eater, good. maybe. Uh, there, no, there's a there, our our <laughs> gardener is here, and he's got the uh, oh, the he's got blower the sprayer, right now. The blower. Yeah, like, I I'm okay. disappointed. I would always expect Steve Kerr to do his own lawn and weed. Eat. <laughs> get up at four in the morning, still get shots yeah. up, and then weed eat. That's what I would expect <laughs> from you. So wow, got a gardener. Let me write that down. Uh, Steve Kerr, gardener. No, it was yeah. Hey, who knew? <laughs> no, it was that was awfully loud. So, um, but it seems to have gone you know, gone away. So, you want to you want to start that? Over? Well, there's the Steph part. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah. So, when Steph was on, we had Steph on, and and I asked him, you know, in my lifetime, the evolution of the game was always physical. It was like, you know, Wilt, uh, uh, Magic, and and Bird were big guys. Uh, Obviously, Michael came along, and then Shaq, and now LeBron, and maybe Zion. It's all these freak, freak athletes that elevate the game um, athletically. But Steph changed the entire game. He revolutionized it, and that that tree grew a new branch, and it was skill. And the skill made a giant leap forward. And now all these bigs are shooting, and you have to. Where do you see the game going from here? I even asked him, "Is will there be a?" And I'm kind of facetious, but like a four-point shot. Those guys are shooting it from half right. court successfully. Right. Where do you think the game's going to go? It's a great question. I, I, I uh, yeah, the skill has 
has reached a level that was unfathomable 20 years ago. I mean, just watching Steph, watching, you know, Dame Lillard a couple of weeks ago in that game against Denver, you know, it wasn't just that he had 50 points. It was like every shot he hit down the stretch was a game-saving shot, 35 feet away, nothing you can do about it. Like that, people didn't do that, you know, before. And, and so there's a different level of skill because – and, and I think Steph has a lot to do with it because he kind of opened the floodgates for guys to start, start shooting from range and shooting off the dribble. And, you know, he's in, he shots that every coach I ever had would have said, you're crazy. You know, like you can't do that shit. <laughs> so we've all had to sort of embrace what's a good shot and what's a bad shot. But I think what's happened, I, I think uh, the league did a great job 10, 12 years ago, opening up the game to allow for this skill. Uh, to shine, you know, spacing, you know, less hand checking mm -hmm. coaches like Mike D'Antoni kind of changed the chessboard, you know, he pulled the four man out. Four man used to be down on the block. Now the four man's lifted up above the three point line. There's so much room for all these guys. But to me, what's happened is we've gone a little bit overboard on the offensive side. And I think we need to give the defense a little bit of a chance now. Um, and so the plays that you see where, you know, the pump fake and jump four feet in, you know, to the defender or three feet to the side. And we're giving those guys free throws. Like we got to eliminate that stuff. Um, or, um, you know, a guy, you know, a guy coming off the, the, the pick and roll and, you know, the defender tries to fight over and you grab his, his, his arm, right. you know, you hook his <laughs> arm and then go up and it's the foul. Like we, we all know in the league, every coach talks about this. We've gone so far overboard. Um, We've got to get back to giving the defense a chance, especially because of the skill level. Because I think fans don't want to see 152, 148. You know, I think fans want to see defense. They want to see a, a team's ability to make a stand. Doesn't mean we got to go back to holding and grabbing, but it means we have to stop rewarding the offensive player for the flopping and the flailing and the BS hooking and. You know, I always go to the officials when one of these plays happens and I go, I just want you to think about doing this in a pickup game. If I grabbed your arm in a pickup game and called <laughs> a foul, you would want to fight me. And yet we're going to call a foul in the NBA, yeah. the greatest league in the world. So this, to me, this is where the league is heading is we've gone too far in one direction and it's okay. Cause there's, there's, this is how it works in sports. You got ebbs and flows. We've got to get back to giving the defense a chance and I think almost every coach in the league agrees with me. Did you, uh, you know, like at the Bob Cousy era, like if, if your time even went back and played, they'd call you for palming or carrying every time. <laughs> every time. Now, yeah. it, if this era was back in, in, in when you guys played, would they be like, walk, walk, he walked, travel, <laughs> oh, yeah, travel. Probably. Like would they call yeah. it? I mean, and is that, are they walking? <laughs> is that a travel? Yeah. You, I think you, you, you've kind of hit my sweet spot or, or uh, you've, you've, maybe you did your homework and you're just poking the bear. Right <laughs> <laughs> this is my biggest pet peeve. And so you're trying to rile me up, but uh, sure, the sure. traveling interpretation has changed. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it's to the point now where we're, it's not just we're allowing it, we're, we're validating it. We're saying, no, that's legal. And, it was, it was kind of weird because 
it, it still doesn't seem to make sense to anybody. You see these plays all the time where, you know, there's 10,000 fans and, and every player and every coach on the bench in the background going like this, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, if we, if everybody thinks it's a travel except for the, the refs, then we're, what are we missing? So I think they actually changed the, uh, the rule and the interpretation of it. And, um, and it's something that the, the coaches kind of, we all, and again, that's another thing where we've gone overboard, you know, giving the, um, the players, the offensive player, the advantage, and it's gotten, it's just gotten too difficult to defend now. Your foot, your footwork, our, our footwork on on your jump shot used to have to be impeccable. I mean, we throw we throw the ball to guys now, and they might take three or four little pitter patters to get into their jump shot, and and they allow it even yeah, in college, allow. even yeah. in college. Um, and FIBA and FIBA, by the way, yeah, yeah, it's all it's all sort of uh, evolved or devolved. I don't know, depending right. on your your take. Uh, I know I don't want to keep too much longer, Steve, but um, what about what's happening right now in the playoffs? Who you got coming out of the East and coming out of the West? Yeah, I, I'm no longer in the prediction business. Once you become <laughs> a coach, you know, you, uh, yeah. you, you realize I, I should make predictions because it'll be on a headline somewhere and then, you know, somebody else will be mad. Uh, so I'm not going to make predictions. All right. But, but I will say that um, it's it's been really fun to watch. I mean, the Utah and Phoenix are are both playing at such a high level now in the West, and and uh, it's fun to see Phoenix. I know you know you played there. I I actually played there my rookie year and yep. was GM there for a few years. It's it's great to see the crowd in Phoenix. You know, having a great team to cheer for again. Chris Paul is just incredible. I mean, are they legitimate? Steve? I think so. are they. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think so because they're they're so well balanced. They shoot the three from everywhere, and and they play really good defense. And Chris is just you know, as in terms of a, a game manager, there's nobody better. You know, I mean, how, how many games has he had where it's like 15 assists and no turnovers? Like crazy. People, they don't do that. People don't yeah. do that. Uh, and then Utah, you know, I like seeing teams that have been building for years and have had to go through some some pain. Um, and, and so it's fun to see Utah. Thriving. So you're enjoying Brooklyn right now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> although I would sound a little bit like a hypocrite if I if I said, you know, you can't just throw the, the greatest offensive player on the planet, you know, onto a team that's that's already good. You can't do that. <laughs> KD, KD is so good. Like every time, and obviously, you know, we, we were together three years, but to see a guy get his shot off so easily against the greatest athletes Great on earth. Defense. Um, but you think about him when he faces up and just one dribble in either direction and rises up, it's, it's the equivalent of you or I playing against a five-year-old kid. Like, like rise, rising up and seeing, you know, the hand that's normally in your face right. is by your belly button, right? He's he gets a clear look at the hoop pretty much whenever he wants. He's just he's just stunningly talented. When you uh, kiss Chris Paul, obviously he wills games. It's fun to just watch him will games. Uh, he's playing chess. Are there other players you admire out there? I think LeBron does that. That can just mm. see the 
everything a little differently. See, see order and chaos. Like, I don't know. I would think maybe Rondo sort of does that at times. Or mm-hmm. is there, yeah. is there players that you're like, you can scheme for players and how they play, but are you like, I, he's, I can't, I can't handle yeah. his, his mind is something it's, I can't plan for that. Well, Jokic, players you sure. admire like that. Jokic, yeah, Jokic for sure. Um, but, I, you know, I, I like um, – and that one's obvious. You know, he's, he's a brilliant passer. And, and there, you know, LeBron is obvious. Um, you know, Chris Paul. I, I like the subtle guys, you know, the like Andre Iguodala, you know, who was with, with us for, you know, I, well, five years, I think six years total, um, but all, all five of uh, the first five years that I coached. Uh, maybe the smartest – player I've ever been around. Um, You're such an Arizona of, homer, such an Arizona homer. But Andre was just, uh, he just saw the whole chessboard and he was always kind of one play ahead at both ends, you know, a brilliant helper, a brilliant on-ball defender. Uh, but then at the other end, like, you know, he, he would see the entire play unfold. He's the guy who would you know, come down in transition and, and look off a player and then kick it behind him for an open three for, to Clay Thompson, whatever. Like all these, all these subtle plays that Andre would make um, were just huge for, for our team. So I, I really admire players like, like him um, who are maybe not um, recognized as, you know, great players, but who truly are great players. Steve, uh, what's your favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Wow. Well done. Well done. Well done. Mm-hmm. No, like if you're, you know, you're channel surfing and or if I'm channel surfing and I come across Shawshank, Always. I put the remote, put the remote yeah. down. Just so lean great. I remember the first time I saw Andy Dufresne. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, John. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, what about front row center for any band, any speaker, any Front row set in, in Dead or Alive. Wow. Um, that's a good one. Um, maybe Elton John. Okay. Nicely done. Okay. Nicely Can't done. Can't do Elton John. Sorry, I got no Elton John in my No? Neither <laughs> <laughs> can uh, Steve, I, hey, man, I'm so – I don't want to – we'll stay off the politics – for now, maybe come back another time and we can talk about some of that. I just want to say that I'm so uh, thankful that I know you've got to pick your spots, but um, I'm so thankful that you speak up on social issues, gun legislation, democracy. Um, it, it means a lot. I personally appreciate it, but I know it means a lot to a lot of people. So thank you. Uh, for for doing that always, and um, that's that's pretty much all I have, buddy. I, I I can't thank you enough for coming on and spending time with us. Well, it's a lot of fun, and and thank you for the invitation. And uh, hope we get to see each other sometime soon. This uh, the the pandemic has changed everything. I remember you were in our facility a couple of years ago, and and it was so fun hanging out and you you know was. being with all the guys. And we haven't had that opportunity, so hopefully. Uh, Sometime soon we'll we'll cross paths. Absolutely. Steve, last Steve. last thing. Oh oh, sorry, Josh. Okay. Real, First of real, all, I, w- I want no. to say thank you also for your bravery. It's a tough time to speak up. It's a, a lot of people are doing it, but in your position, uh, you don't want to offend players and management. And uh, 
uh, anyone that can make the league money and these, and you're speaking up and it means a lot to a lot of people. And I want to thank you. And then secondly, two questions. Try. I know you're super humble, but to save the world, one three pointer, you're not coming off picks. There's nobody guarding you to save the world. One three pointer, you and your prime and Steph, where do you go? Come on. I, I would, I would get the ball and I would, hand deliver it to Steph. I would say, here you go, Steph, please save the world. Uh, Okay, well, what about a shooter in history, not named Stephen Curry and not named Stephen Kerr? (laughs) Uh, Mark Price. Mark Price. Ooh, well done. Big one, yeah. Well done. Uh, Last thing, and I promise we'll let you go. Um, did you beat Obama this past week playing? And am I hearing this right? You're giving him mulligans. He well, you know, breakfast ball, breakfast ball. Okay, breakfast everyone, ball. Okay. Everyone gets a breakfast ball off the first tee. Yeah, know? true. Okay, um, but thrill of a lifetime. Um, thrill of a lifetime playing playing golf uh, with President Obama, and, and then having dinner afterwards with him. Basically, a full day. Oh. Um, there's, um, there's, uh, he would be, he, he is number one on, on my list in terms of, you know, the question, who would you want to have dinner with? We had the most amazing day and um, just to, to hear him talk, he, and, and you know, he's a huge NBA fan. Yeah. And so um, to talk world events and then seamlessly go into the nuances of the pick and roll in the NBA, like, like uh, he's, uh, wow. he's, incredible so i was so lucky and had just had an incredible day awesome and we got to play pebble beach too so yeah throw that in (laughs) thanks steve thanks buddy Uh, have a great summer talk to you soon go cut your yard okay do it yourself there you go you can hear it again (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much thanks steve you got it josh thanks no it was fun fun. thanks all right well that was steve kerr josh thoughts I don't know. He's cocky, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, what a smart, great guy and as humble as, as they get, but not in a, oh, shucks way, really. Yeah. You know, he, he does it in such a charming way and his uh, prowess as a, a player, coach and a cerebral human being, you know, he doesn't have to brag about it because it's obvious. He's well put together mentally, unlike the two of us. Um, he, he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, just seems to, he's so smart too. You can tell what a great leader. Um, I mean, just, you can tell one of those guys, the players can go to at any time with a life, you know, problem, a life issue. And he's going to sit down with them and, and help them figure it out. That's, that's leadership. That's coaching and teaching. I mean, He's a good one. He's a good one. I really one. meant to, there's so much I wanted to I know. ask him, but I wonder if, uh, because he's got, I wonder if he'll ever get into politics. You know, I don't know. I, that's a good question. Uh, you know, he's, he's just so fascinating. He'd be one of those okay. things where he just up and quits and does something else amazing for a while. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, he's got such a unique, like geopolitical international perspective right. that, that would be so helpful. And he's just so smart and a winner. I love to see him glow just now talking about 
his his golf outing and uh, yeah. they spent with yeah. President Obama. Yeah. I mean, him. right? He perked right up as yeah. one would. Mm-hmm. I right? know it. Yeah. Uh, he's a fascinating guy. Thanks, thanks again for letting me talk to these cool people. Oh, fantastic. Well, bud, um, all right. Let's Sad do it again. we didn't get to get, get to uh, uh, acknowledge my rebounding. I mean, my inbounding. Your inbounding. Yeah. 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 I, I me think, too. You know, he, I thought he would have appreciated about it. I did. I he he didn't bring knew. it up, though. Mm-hmm. He didn't know. He, you know, he knows who doesn't know. He's probably read the book, you know, <laughs> inbound. Uh, how to inbound in life. <laughs> <laughs> so he's pretty uh, sad to have read it, but I wish we'd talked about it. Speaking of reading, uh, book club. Oh, yeah, book let's club. do it. Yeah, Let's yeah, yeah. This this What's week, I know you. I, I know you traveled a little last week. Um, yeah, so I couldn't get to anything. I didn't read anything. How about you? Nothing. Um, oh, this has been I book was, club. I was traveling, but I didn't. I didn't. Oh yeah. I didn't yeah. Read well, anything. when when you're traveling, you know. Oh, by the way, that was really great to hear him talk about traveling. He got fired up. <laughs> he was like, he was like, oh, well, I didn't know if he was going to be like. You know, I hate yeah. that question. They're not traveling. They're, it's, you know, but he was like, oh, they're just walking off. They're just skating around. That was a lot of fun. He was Team Josh on that one. Yeah. He was. He was. Team he was. Josh. Yeah. Well, bud, uh, let's do it again next week. Want to? I will be here. Same time, same place. Set, subscribe, rate, and review the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins, powered by basketballnews.com. See you.